The Importance of Biblical Doctrine, A Covenanter Testimony Against New Evangelicalism by Michael Wagner, 1996 Within a few hundred years after the time of Christ, the forces of Antichrist were wreaking havoc in the Church. All kinds of man-made innovations were introduced in the government and worship of the Church, and the message of salvation by faith alone faded from sight. Indeed, the man of sin and son of perdition set himself up in the temple of God, see 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 3-4, to i.e., the papacy was established. Those were dark days. At times during that period, God would raise people up to declare a faithful testimony, people such as the Waldenses, John Huss, and John Wycliffe. But then God wrought a much greater work, and beginning with Martin Luther, the world was shaken by the mighty Protestant Reformation. The Reformers were basically starting from scratch. They went to the Bible alone to figure out what God would have us believe and what he would have us practice. Although affirming the sole authority of Scripture was the overriding concern of the Reformers, the two most significant issues derived from that concern were salvation and worship. Note, for example, the words of John Calvin, quote, If it be inquired, then, by what things chiefly the Christian religion has a standing existence among us and maintains its truth, it will be found that the following two not only occupy the principal place, but comprehend under them all the other parts, and consequently the whole substance of Christianity, that is, a knowledge first of the mode in which God is duly worshipped, and secondly, of the source from which salvation is to be obtained. When these are kept out of view, though we may glory in the name of Christians, our profession is empty and vain." Unquote. That's from page 15, The Necessity of Reforming the Church. The Reformers were clear in demonstrating that we are justified by faith alone, and that God will only be worshipped in ways that he has prescribed. The biblical teaching on salvation has come to be known as Calvinism after the greatest of 16th century Reformers, John Calvin. And the biblical teaching on worship came to be known as the regulative principle of worship, referring to the fact that Scripture regulates worship by forbidding whatever God has not commanded. In bringing to light these precious truths of Scripture, the Reformers were following the voice of their shepherd, Jesus Christ. As Jesus said in John 10.27, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. But modern new evangelicals have despised these truths. They reject the biblical teaching of salvation by God's sovereign power, and instead say that men are saved by their free will decisions. And instead of allowing scripture to regulate their worship practices, they use all sorts of man-made innovations, including uninspired songs, musical instruments, altar calls, etc. The effect has been to bring new evangelical doctrine and practice increasingly back in line with the Romish whore from which the reformers had broken free. Unlike Jesus' sheep, who know not the voice of strangers, John 10.5, in doing such things, the new evangelicals have shown themselves to be following a stranger. Certainly God did not lead them into such unscriptural doctrine and practice. In sum, the Reformation was a time where God, using men such as John Calvin, John Knox, etc., worked mightily to bring his truth to the attention of men in a very big way. God's way of salvation and his method of worship were made plain. But these have been abandoned by new evangelicals. They think they have a better way, when in truth they have almost become apostate. Their only hope is to return to the truth of the Reformation. As Kevin Reed so aptly puts it in his book, Making Shipwreck of the Faith, quote, If there is to be a new Reformation, we need to come clean on the depth of the problem among evangelicals, and summon them to repent, believe the true gospel, and depart from their idols and worship. Anything less is simply beating around the bush. 
and until evangelicals bring forth such fruits meet for repentance, historic Protestants will have no choice but to regard the bulk of evangelical churches as no more legitimate than Rome. Unquote. Page 63. The Importance of Doctrine In the eyes of so many new evangelicals, doctrine just isn't that important. What is important is that a Christian has a warm faith and a close relationship with God. As long as someone reads the Bible, prays, and attempts to win souls, that's all that really matters. In fact, numerous new evangelicals believe that people who emphasize doctrine are simply being contentious and are therefore condemned by Paul in 1 Corinthians 1 verses 10 to 13. The scripture itself, however, teaches that Christians should place a strong emphasis on doctrine. Even a very small sampling of scripture makes this too plain to miss. Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. 1 Timothy 4.13 Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. 1 Timothy 4.16 All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. 2 Timothy 3.16 Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. 2 Timothy 4.2 But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Titus 2.1 This list could go on and on, but note that whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. 2 John 9a The importance of knowing true doctrine cannot be overemphasized. Look at it this way. What if when you stand before God at the end of time, he asks you why you taught your children error rather than truth? You cannot plead ignorance. Certainly there are innumerable groups teaching a variety of beliefs and all claiming to be true. But if you are a serious Christian, you must take the time to search the scriptures to find out what is true. If you say you don't have time to do that, all you are really saying is that you don't care enough to do it. Yet the well-being of your family is at stake. Everyone finds the time to do what they think is really important. Just because you believe you are a good Christian living a reasonably good Christian life doesn't mean that you are exempt from the biblical commands to hold to and understand true doctrine. Holding to false doctrine, even if you don't know it's false, could be disastrous to you and your family. George Gillespie writes, quote, Let no man think that opinions are free more than practices, or that a man runs no hazard of his salvation by erroneous and heretical opinions. Error of judgment, as well as wickedness of practice, may bring death and destruction upon the soul. James 5:19 and 20, 2 Peter 2:1, 2, 2 Peter 3:16, Galatians 2:21. Heretics, as well as murderers and drunkards, are there excluded from the kingdom of heaven. Unquote. That's from the works of George Gillespie, Volume 2, page 66. As Gillespie also points out, quote, a holy heretic is a chimera. Unquote, page 63. What this means is that your relationship with God is an illusion if you neglect true doctrine. So many new evangelicals seem to think that doctrine is of secondary importance at best. What is really important is your relationship with God, as if the two could be separated, but they cannot. Gillespie further states, quote, Dangerous and damnable errors can no otherwise consist with true grace than dangerous and damnable sins. And this I will hold as a good rule in practical divinity that as the want of true piety makes a person, if tempted, apt to be infected with error, so error of judgment, if continued in, doth not only hinder growing, but makes a dangerous decreasing and falling short in true piety. Or thus, the stability of the mind and judgment in the faith of the gospel and in the true reformed religion, 
and the stability of the heart in grace and true piety stand or fall together, flourish or fade away together, lodge or flit together, live or die together, unquote. Page 60. Again, Gillespie, quote, Licentiousness of judgment and doctrines will certainly introduce licentiousness of heart and life in practicals, unquote. Page 62. If you are serious about being a Christian, you will take the time to ensure that you hold to correct biblical doctrine. The new evangelical attitude that doctrine is not important is itself heretical and must be repudiated. Conclusion Again, the scriptural theological attainments of the Reformation have been abandoned by modern new evangelicalism. And to make matters worse, an unscriptural disdain for doctrine has immunized many evangelicals from a recovery of Reformation truth. But make no mistake... The Reformers recovered biblical truth by the grace of God and set it forth so that future generations of Christians would have correct belief and correct practice. The turning away from this truth that has occurred is not so much a turning away from the Reformers as it is a turning away from the sole authority of the Bible and from God himself. The true sheep hear his voice and follow him, accepting his doctrine and practice. Those who reject this doctrine and practice are following strangers. The scripture says, Thou shalt not follow a multitude to do evil, Exodus 23.2, and so we must repudiate this multitude, new evangelicalism, in spite of all its false pretensions to be following God. Instead, we must follow the Savior in the path of true doctrine, the doctrine set forth in the Reformation. This Reformation audio track is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. You are welcome to make copies and give them to those in need. SWRB makes thousands of classic Reformation resources available, free and for sale, in audio, video, and printed formats. It is likely that the sermon or book that you just listened to is also available on cassette or video, or as a printed book or booklet. Our many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing thousands of classic and contemporary Puritan and Reform books, tapes, and videos at great discounts, is on the web at www.swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com, by phone at 780-450-3730, by fax at 780-468-1096, or by mail at 4710-37A Avenue, Edmonton, that's E-D-M-O-N-T-O-N, Alberta, abbreviated capital A, capital B, Canada, T6L3T5. You may also request a free printed catalog. And remember that John Calvin, in defending the Reformation's regulative principle of worship, or what is sometimes called the scriptural law of worship, commenting on the words of God, which I commanded them not, neither came into my heart, from his commentary on Jeremiah 7.31, writes, God here cuts off from men every occasion for making evasions, since he condemns by this one phrase, I have not commanded them, whatever the Jews devised. There is then no other argument needed to condemn superstitions than that they are not commanded by God. For when men allow themselves to worship God according to their own fancies, and attend not to his commands, they pervert true religion. And if this principle is adopted by the Papists, all those fictitious modes of worship in which they absurdly exercise themselves 
would fall to the ground. It is indeed a horrible thing for the papists to seek to discharge their duties towards God by performing their own superstitions. There is an immense number of them, as it is well known, and as it manifestly appears. Were they to admit this principle, that we cannot rightly worship God except by obeying his word, they would be delivered from their deep abyss of error. The prophet's words, then, are very important. When he says that God had commanded no such thing, and that it never came to his mind, as though he had said that men assume too much wisdom when they devise what he never required, nay, what he never knew.